morning, church. The Holy Spirit did me dirty a little bit this morning because I was planning on being funny in this intro, but there's a lot of emotions. Um, but it's, you know, it's a beautiful Mother's Day morning. The sun is out. It's nice, crisp air. I think the, the Lord is kind of saying happy Mother's Day to us all. So this is my first sermon that I've ever preached. And I mean, depending on how it goes, might be my last. So congratulations, you get to see it. Um, it also kind of raises the question, why did they pick this newbie to preach on Mother's Day? Do they not like moms here at River Life? It's, it's the opposite. Um, in fact, moms gave me a job. I'm the kids' ministry director here. So thank you, moms, for giving me your kids and letting me try to raise them up to be men and women of Jesus and our Lord. So um, before we go too far, I just want to clarify the word mom or mother, because I'm going to be saying it a lot today. And I don't want to redefine it. It's, it's, I'm not changing the dictionary definition. I just want to expand it a little bit. If you are an auntie who loves, cherishes, and cares for your niece or nephew, you are mom. If you are a daughter who sees your parents struggling to find the time, so you help out around the house, and you help with your siblings, you are mom. If you are a woman that tries to inspire educate and care for students in our hurting school systems, you are mom. If you're a wife who's been praying with your husband for the Lord to bless you with a child of your own, but have been asked to be patient, you are mom. You know, there's, there's no one qualification that makes someone a mother. And I'm sure I missed a lot of women who mother in their own unique and special way. But you know, there is one common thing all mothers share. Motherly influence surpasses them all. Let me repeat that. Motherly influence surpasses them all. Proverbs 31, 28 through 29 says, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. That's powerful. That's high praise. Many women do it well, but moms, you do it better. The church is full of moms. We're so lucky for that. In fact, I even asked a handful of our own river kids what they loved about the women in their lives. And I got some pretty good answers. Jalen told me, moms help us with chores. Mom helps us with chores. She's reliable. Lily didn't even hesitate. She said, I love to sleep with my mom. She's cuddly. Caleb wanted to share about Auntie Alicia. She says she lets us sleep over at her house, which I imagine is a lot of fun. Ethan shared, Mom helps, and she's kind. Malachi told me, Mom is caring and helpful, and a little bossy. You know, he said it like it was a good thing, so hopefully he doesn't get in trouble for that, but in case you do, Malachi, I'm sorry. Isn't it amazing how little things mean so much to kids? They need help, and moms give them help. They need a little extra love, and moms are kind and caring. Kids need direction, so moms make you, they let you know exactly what they expect from you. Moms give us what we need. When I was young, Miss Laverne always had a piece of fruit-striped gum at church when you asked for it. 
You might remember that gum. It had a zebra on the packaging with a soccer ball for some reason. Um, they had tongue tattoos, and the flavor was gone in 45 seconds. But you know what? It's the best gum I ever had. Then there was Miss Eileen. She was our organist in church. She was small, and she had, like, snowy white hair. But she was the most kind old lady I've ever met in my life. Then there was my childhood best friend. His mom was mine, too. Her name was Miss J. And I spent more Sunday afternoons at her house than I did at my own. And boy, could she cook. Halushki, gobs, apple dumplings were just a few of my favorite foods at her house. You know, it's funny how they say that the path to a man's heart is through their stomach because apparently that's true for little boys and teenagers, too. Because my... My high school best friend's mom, her name was Mama Fig. At least to me, she was Mama Fig. And boy, could she cook. She was Bolivian, and she had two corn dishes, one hot, one cold, but both were delicious. I've never enjoyed corn, corn quite as much. And Mama Fig, she was super kind. If you needed a shirt, she would make you a shirt, and then she'd cook you dinner. And of course, that brings us to the one mom that's been there since my beginning. This is my big M mom. She still claims me, even after all the ridiculous things I've done in life. That's crazy, right? Moms take you just as you are. And I, I was a lot to take. I didn't know how to walk anywhere. I was either running ahead or wearing the knees out of my jeans by sliding around on the floor. You know, at home, I had nothing but energy, and sitting still wasn't my style. My mom tells the story of a time she was talking to one of my teachers obviously expecting to hear that I was disruptive and just a handful in class. But the teacher looked at her and was very confused, and she said, Jeremy's one of the most well-behaved kids that we have. My mom didn't believe that. She popped her head into my class one day and saw me sitting quietly at my desk, and I even raised my hand to ask a question. Surely that's not my son. She jokes that I saved all my crazy just for her. And, you know, she was, she was right. I have social anxiety and I'm an introvert. So being around people I'm not comfortable with or not, that I don't feel safe with is nerve-wracking and paralyzing even. But you know, at home, with mom, I'm safe. I'm free to be me around my mom. So moms, thank you for letting us be ourselves and putting up with our ridiculous amounts of energy. And to my mom, I know you're gonna watch this later, Thank you for putting up with me and encouraging me along the way. I wouldn't be here this morning preaching if it wasn't for you. Motherly influence surpasses them all. So some of you might be excited to hear a Mother's Day message. Some of you might have mixed emotions. And some of you might be dreading this sermon. Perhaps it's going to bring up some hurt or painful memories for you. Perhaps your mom doesn't look like our Proverbs 31 example. Maybe it goes further. Maybe your mom played favorites, was overly critical, or just wasn't there. Motherly influence follows us wherever we go, regardless of her intentions. Motherly influence follows us wherever we go, regardless of her intentions. That's true for our moms, but you know that's, that's also true for all of us. I'm sure you've all experienced a time where you've had good intentions, but then experienced a poor outcome. And that presents a question for each one of us. 
what do we do when our influence doesn't mirror our intentions? Let me ask that again. What do we do when our influence does not mirror our intentions? You know, we're going to go into a story today uh, that explores how good intentions don't lead to good, in, or they might not lead to good influences, especially on these two sons. It's the story of Jacob and Esau. They are the, the twin boys to Rebecca and Isaac. They were an odd pair, even from the time of their birth. Uh, Esau was born moments before Jacob, but not for Jacob's lack of trying. Genesis 25, 25 through 26 is a roller coaster of information, and honestly, it's pretty unbelievable, so I'm going to read it for you. The first to come out was red. His whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out and he, with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So we start with Esau, whose name literally translates to Harry. Not the name Harry, but to Harry as in I am covered in hair. That's a hairy baby. But it doesn't stop there because the hairiest baby to ever exist is, is completely dwarfed by his own brother trying to birth himself by sheer impatience. He might not have come out first, but he was not going to be forgotten. Jacob means he grasps the heel, which is exactly what he did. And aren't you glad we don't name babies that way anymore? I mean, being, being born is a lot of pressure, but having to come out with a, and making a grand entrance and looking good while doing it, is, that's, that's too much. So, but, you know, the, the story we're talking about today, it's not about the beginning of these boys' lives, but rather at the end of their fathers. Isaac was old. He was sickly, and his eyesight had faded. He made a secret plan with his eldest son Esau to give him a blessing in secret. But you know, it wasn't quite secret enough because Rebekah caught wind of it. In Genesis 27, verse 6, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. So this is the beginning of Rebecca's good intentions. She saw that her husband was about to secretly bless their eldest son. That wasn't going to slide. And if, if you're an older sibling, I'm sure you've noticed something about mom. She always protects the baby. No matter how old you are, no matter how independent or grown you act, she will only ever see the youngest as her little baby. Rebecca's baby's about to get gypped. So her, flight, her fight or flight instincts kick in, and she decides she's going to fight this. She has a plan ready to go in no time flat. Maybe, maybe not the best plan, but it's a plan nonetheless. And Jacob, whose name is an idiom for deceiver, was, was like, hold on a second, can we do that? And it continues in, in verse 11. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. Just do what I say. Isn't that the most mom line ever? Don't talk back. Just do what I say. Don't bring logic into this. I'm your mother and logic has no power here. Just do what I say. But in all seriousness, listen to the lengths she's willing to go for her son. 
Her good intentions lead her to sacrifice of herself. My son let the curse fall on me. What curse could have come from such a simple trick? You know, this blessing from Isaac what, that he was going to pass on to Esau wasn't uh, an inheritance or anything monetary, but a blessing from a man like Isaac who found favor with God, was faithful and righteous, was tantamount to God's promise. So on the other hand, a curse from Isaac was as if God himself was shunning you. Rebecca risked it all for Jacob. There are two sides to this coin because there are two sons in this story. Rebecca and Jacob successfully pull off their plan by the way of some goat stew and the very same goat's fur. Isaac tastes the stew and feels Jacob's arms and gives the blessing to Jacob, and Jacob leaves. Esau returns from hunting and makes some tasty food for his father. He was taking it to his father expecting to receive a blessing, but instead found his father eating a meal of trickery and lies. It dawns on them both what Jacob had done, and Esau is desperate. In verse 28, he begs his father for a blessing, and he weeps out loud. Esau had just lost his last chance at prosperity. Jacob had already taken his birthright with a bowl of soup back in Genesis 25, and now two chapters later, he's lost his blessing to a bowl of stew. Remember how a, the, the stomach is a path to a man's heart? Well, for Esau, it was also a path to destruction. That brings us back to Rebecca. Had she considered the influence that this would have on Esau? To take what belonged to him was betrayal. Surely he'd want to take revenge or be upset. You know, he even threatened to kill Jacob once their father had passed. And Rebekah found out and made more plans to protect Jacob. She convinces Isaac to send him to her father's land so that he can find a wife. So Jacob goes. Remember that curse that she mentioned? Rebecca offered to take a curse upon herself. And after Jacob left, she never sees him again. Her curse wasn't one she had for a day or two or even a year or two. She literally took it to her grave. She never saw her youngest son again. There is one more piece of the story that's important to know. God made a promise to Rebecca. In Genesis 25, verse 23, the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Rebekah knew from the time of Jacob and Esau's birth that Jacob would one day lead over Esau. Perhaps her intentions were to help God's plan. Maybe she thought this was the only way to make sure what God promised would come true. No matter where she came from or what she did, her influence on Jacob and Esau was monumental. Motherly influence surpasses them all. Jacob took deception and favoritism into his own family. He had a favorite wife, and then he had a favorite son. His favorite son was Joseph, and his, other, his brothers that weren't the favorites made plans and deceived and plotted to have Joseph removed from the picture. Esau went into life with no birthright and an afterthought of a blessing from his father Isaac. He had to work hard to earn everything, but God still blessed him. It's funny how that works. Rebecca had good intentions with Jacob, but she influenced him to be a deceiver 
and play favorites. She had less than good intentions for Esau, but she influenced him to be a hard worker and earn everything that he had. This brings us back to the question, what do we do when our influence does not mirror our intentions? Thank God for his sovereignty. Let me say that again. Thank God for his sovereignty. Even though Rebecca, through good intentions, intervened in God's plan, it didn't change the outcome. He still accomplished what he said he would. Paul said it best in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, we touched on this last week in our Kid Talk segment, and I'm going to pretend like I planned that. But people like to have control. God is sovereign above all. He lets us pretend that we have control, but he's doing all of the hard work in the background. We might be able to control our intentions, but we don't get to control our influences. Mothers, your influence surpasses them all. And some days it'll feel like you're doing right by your kids, but other days, like my mom shared with us frequently, she felt like she was failing all of us. She never gave up though, and none of us ever thought she was failing us. So I want to encourage you, don't let fear of failure keep you from leading by example and trusting in God's sovereignty. Keep on mothering like your life depends on it because for us kids, your husbands, and even your fellow moms, our lives do depend on your influence. Kids and husbands, look back to Proverbs 31. Do you honor and praise the moms that you have in your lives? If not, then the day is the day to start. And I hope you won't stop once the day's over. Mother's Day should not be a single day to celebrate the women that mother us. But it can be the day we remind ourselves to go a little further, to show our love for her, and to give her the praise she deserves. And it wouldn't be right if I, did not, if I didn't share the conclusion to the story of Jacob and Esau. These brothers don't meet again for more than 20 years when Jacob needs to pass through Esau's land. Knowing that he would run into Esau, he prepares a very generous gift, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of livestock. When they met, something incredible happened. Esau ran to Jacob and wrapped his arms around him in an embrace, and they wept together. They wept together. After a few minutes, Esau looks around and sees all these, the livestock and the herds. And I, I don't want you to miss this part. Esau asked, what's the meaning of all these flocks and herds I met? To find favor in your eyes, my lord, Jacob said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. See, that's what being thankful for God's sovereignty looks like. Esau has every reason and every right to be bitter or angry even at Jacob. But he forgave him, even though Jacob never asked for forgiveness. Esau could have taken the gift from Jacob. It was practically what was, was his right to begin with. But he saw his own plenty. And he knew what God had already given him. He could have accused Jacob for all the past wrongs he was clearly guilty of. But instead, he offers grace to Jacob. You also have an opportunity to show that kind of thankfulness. 
forgive where you find hurt. When you look back and see what you might have lost, find your plenty today. Pray for grace and watch how God restores you. Thank God for his sovereignty. Look to Rebecca as an example of motherly influence meeting God's sovereignty. Look to those who have, mothered, have motherly influence on you and thank them for that influence, good or bad, because God used it to bring you to where you are today. God used it to bring you to where you are today. Let's pray and thank God for motherly influence. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for all who mother. We would be far worse for wear without them. Thank you for the motherly love they show us and how it echoes your own love for us. I want to pray for the mothers of River Life. Give them strength to continue on. Give them peace for past failures and allow them to find joy in their chance to mother. I pray for the kids, husbands, and receivers of motherly influence. Help us to remember the word, thank you. Don't let us take for granted the influence we have. Let us praise our mothers for the task they have in front of them. Lord, as we leave, I pray you would move in us and encourage us to trust in your sovereignty. Thank you, Lord. I pray all these things in your name and for your glory alone. Amen.